podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Just in time for the holidays, fill your home and your season for less at homedepot.com. With up to 40% off a wide assortment of select bedding and bath linens. Update your bed or bath online, right from the comfort of your own cozy couch. Even get free delivery and flexible returns. How's that for holiday cheer? Up to 40% off. Holiday home decor improved from homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Online only. Free delivery on select items $45 or more. Visit homedepot.com for more information. Good area for Spurs. It's not a break to shoot. Wow, what a goal. Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot. And with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line. Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Yermin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Back again. With another episode of Touchline Hotspur, and boy, it's been a crazy week, like crazy, crazy week. One of the craziest weeks, I would say. But um, boys, how you doing, man? Everyone good? Smiles in everyone's faces. Yeah. <laughs> <Thank you, man. laughs> They're cold <laughs> Happy days, man. I think, I think, I think we should yeah save the good energy for the end yeah and start straight. Straight with the rubbish stuff. Like, let's start with Tottenham and Everton. Let's get out of the way, man, because I don't want to end on that stuff. Um, who wants to kick us off? I don't even want to do one. <laughs> Some called Tyler, man. <laughs> you know what? For the game, I was so optimistic. So yeah. in our group chat, I was talking shit about everything. <laughs> like, I was <laughs> I was like, their, their signings are overrated. It's just another Everton of wonder, the transfer window kind of talk. And they played us off the park, man. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Um, it wasn't pretty at all. Yeah. We, I can't we, lie. We created two chances in the first half, but apart from that, it was dire. Yeah. I mean, I was right there with you. Like, I was saying, like, I'll, I'll keep it real, man. I was bigging up Winks. I was bigging up even Sissoko. I was bigging up compared to the um, Everton midfield. And, mm. like, I got made to eat my words. <laughs> yeah? I got made to eat my words in it. But, but at the same time, yeah, I wouldn't go as far as to say we got played off the park personally, innit? Like, I, mm. I, thought, I thought both sides were poor. Um, I thought there was, there was, like, little glimpses of, of, of skill and ability, I guess, certain players that I'm sure we'll talk about. But um, yeah, I thought both sides were poor, man. Like it was, other than that little flash of um, brilliance, I guess you'd call it, that, that, that dead ball situation, it would have been a poor draw. It would have been nil nil. Before, before the Cheshire Cat over here goes, and goes on, his, like, told you so. <laughs> I'm going to jump in and say I agree with you, man. Like the Twitter streets were going wild. 
guys were guys were all gassed because they they were like ah oh, Everton they done so well blah 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 their quality 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 ambition ambition but realistically we concede we concede the midfield battle no matter who we've got on the pitch pretty much every other game um, against lesser opposition than even Everton um, and I'm gonna do wrong and strong here and say time will tell whether or not they've actually shown any ambition or whether or not they've just got a bunch of names in who potentially could flop because uh, it is Everton after all. So, um, no, it was, a, it was a terrible game. Terrible, terrible game of football. Like, we were dead meat. But, yeah. There's it, wasn't, it wasn't, like, it was a funny one because I, again, went, went into the game sort of optimistic. I thought, start of the season, you know, there's no reason why we can't go for it. Looking at the team, it was pretty much the team I thought it would be. And you know what? First half, I, I didn't think it was it was too bad. Like, we were getting ourselves in nice positions, sort of causing a few problems for them in transition. I was a little bit frustrated at some of the positions that players like Ali and Kane were taking up, you know. But I thought going into the first half, I mean, Everton, for all the possession, or apparently them outplaying us, didn't really do too much, you know, even Barda with Charleston miss. So I was, if I'm honest, I was baffed when Ali come off and I thought, fine, he's going to change it in a, in a more positive way for him to bring on Sissoko. So already my head was hot right, when, the, when the second half started. My, my head was hot and everyone knows how I feel about like Sissoko, hard worker, passion merchant, but I don't want to see this done anywhere central midfield. No, thank you. Can't do it, not listening to it anymore. But it almost seemed as if even Mourinho didn't want to play in there because my man went from right wing back, right wing, number six, number eight, playing a number of different roles. And obviously, as Sai said, like we were obviously losing that battle in the midfield. So it was very difficult to understand the tactics we were playing. Lucas taking up bonehead positions as usual, <laughs> Son suddenly ghosting out of the game. And it was very difficult. Obviously, the, the set piece, like people can complain and say it was moved, but you still have to you still have to defend the set piece, and we didn't. Like even Dyer, I thought I thought he didn't play too badly. Everything that came through to him, he basically swatted away. But for some reason, when it came to that set piece, my man just didn't feel like jumping. Like I kind of felt for Davies as well a little bit because he had Hammers always coming in. Quite in like quite sort of uh, like sort of central area, so he was pulling him out of position. He couldn't really do much because Hammers again was doing that move where he gets it, cuts inside, delivers a long pass infield, and again like he didn't really do too much. But that second, the, the latter part of the second half, where just chance creation was so low, we weren't even putting like little combination plays, little sort of setups to try and show like we had any intent to try and win the game and. One thing I was thinking that really did like kind of concern me. I don't know you, you, you guys might think the same, but before like under Pochettino, even if we play bad sometimes, you always kind of think, you know what? One chance we might be able to get a goal. We might be able to nick something. We might be able to create something out of nothing. But like I just feel sometimes when you're watching Mourinho's team play, like if it's not going their way, and I'm just looking at the style of play. I just can't see where that goal's coming. I just can't see where that goal's coming from. Just but getting baffled by the by the insistence to play a four-two-three-one in situations where we just show over and over again that the gap between 
the double pivot and the quote-unquote number 10 is like 40 meters it's like what is this there's like no cohesion whatsoever there's no real link up it's all very much like shift it to the fullbacks and hope that they get it to someone in an attacking pit position before the the opposition realizes what's going on when realistically that's not the way that you build like we, i i do think we've gotten spoiled over the years as well just having really um really sort of a lot of synergy between all areas of the team where we press as a group we defend as a group we attack as a group whereas now it's very fragmented you've got little banks of like five five guys sit back to defend five guys attack and it's basically just just that for 90 minutes uh especially when we play 4-2-3-1 but yeah do you put that down to coaching uh We've seen some other teams do this that, that have been successful, like Man City on, under uh, Mancini did very similar, similar. Pellegrini as well, they just sort of banked up and let their, their attacking talent just do the thing. But um, I, I just think it's the shape is all wrong. It's not conducive to anything actually getting to the attacking players quick enough. For like when we play a flat bank, a free in the midfield, we, we tend to look a lot better because players can sort of transition as play progresses. Whereas when they're, when they're in a 4-2-3-1, it's all very rigid. They, they, there's no interchange between players. No one moves out of their position. So it's all easy as hell to, to, defend, to, to defend against. Um, so yeah, part coaching and part just naive tactics. I completely agree with you as well. I think that kind of highlighted the flaws of Deli Ali as well. Like he's not a number 10. He's not an attacking midfielder. He's, he's more of a second striker. I think we know that now. And I think when Ericsson was here, there was always him to come drop deep and start to connect things out wide and with the forward players as well. Delhi's just not good enough technically for that, in my opinion. And the only player who's worse than him in that is probably Lucas Mora, who then took over him in that role in that second half. So it's no surprise that we didn't create much. And I'm hoping that with a bit of magic, <coughs> Bell, um, that we could just have something come in... But I saw his first Twitter as well. It was saying, Oh, it's a lack of quality in our in our team, that's the reason we lost. I don't think so. I think that game was purely on Mourinho and the system. What do you guys think? I think as well, sorry to, to um just jump in, but I think there were like some moments as well, if you get what I mean, where like better choices, like one that stands out to me is when um Son had the ball sort of like on the left wing and I think Kane was tearing through the middle. And I mean, come on, nine times out of ten, he just lays that in Kane's path and, and Kane does the rest. But for Son... I challenge reason, that, you know. I challenge that because... Well, well right. let's not say Son does it, but like, I mean, come yeah. on. Any, you, you would expect Anyone somebody else. To, Anyone you'd else expect that. somebody to nine times out of ten lay that in front of Kane and, and let him do it. Similar the to the, the goal against Leicester at the back end of last season as well, where Kane just made like a 78 yard sprint. And then got on the end of it and scored first touch. Scored, yeah, yeah. So that's that's what that's what I expected to see anyway. But on this occasion, for some reason, he decided like he wanted to play in Delhi, and then you have Delhi, like, oh, it's unfortunate. It was unfortunate. Let's just say played that. into played into like a crowd of three men though. Yeah, yeah. Just I don't think to, it's to get I, out of his feet. Like he couldn't. I don't think it's unfortunate at all. I think it's I think it's something that we've seen from Son not all the time because he can create chances. He is he is really decent at creating chances but <clears throat> there are just certain situations where the pass is on like a, there's a clear pass on 
And he just, for, for whatever reason, he either won't pass or he'll make the wrong pass. Yeah. And um, two games, that's, well, one game that sticks distinctly in my head is Bayern Munich last year. Bayern Munich last year, I remember, and Dombele was slicing them up left, right and centre. And Sonny was getting in behind. And every single time he was getting in behind, there was one time, Kane, the pass was there, glaring pass to Harry Kane. You've got time to pick your man, pass it, slide him in. And he doesn't do it. Arsenal away at the Arsenal away at the Emirates last year. So many times we were on the break, on the counter, Sonny on the ball, doing all the good work. You get into the final third, release the ball, release the ball and let someone have a shot at goal. And he fumbles, he fumbles the counter. So so much better when things are instinctive. It's like when when it requires just one touch, just get out. When you've got no choice, he's fine. But anytime he's forced into a position where he needs to make a decision, if you give him two options, he's always going to take pretty much the wrong one as far as I'm concerned. And it's it's one of those things like there's not too many players in the Prem that are as good as Sun in in his position. Like there might be one, one or two, maybe Sterling and Mane. Um, say that again? I'd say maybe like three players max. Who's, who's the third? I'd say Mane, Salah, Sterling. I mean, Salah plays on the other side, but... Oh, you're talking left wingers, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, left. I would, I would challenge that on playing, playing from the left in terms of similar type of attributes, Martial's not far off him, personally, based on the fact that when, when it does get into intricate moments, Martial rarely makes a wrong decision. It's, it's like the polar opposite. It's like in front of goal, you might see him slow it down a little bit, but in build-up, he's a lot more decisive in his actions. And I think that's the difference between Sun's IQ and maybe some of the other players. No, nah, I think I think nah. I, I'm going to disagree there because I think I do hear what you say. Sometimes when it is instinctive, he does make the right decision, and there are sometimes he does fumble the bag. But I still think he's got a reasonably high like football IQ as well. And I still like you don't just get he got a most assists in the league last year, and then the, the season before that he got a couple of assists as well. So he's someone who consistently you 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 almost expect him to be hitting probably like 8 to 10 or 11 assists a season. I don't think you get those numbers if more often than not you don't make the right decision. But with him, sometimes the obvious choice is there and he, <laughs> he refuses to make the obvious choice. And more often than not, he's either going for a goal, but this time it was weird because he wasn't even going for a goal. He was trying to find, he was trying to find someone who was crowded out by like two or three men as opposed to the three men that would have been as good as a goal as we've seen many, many times from Harry Kane. So I don't think it's like a instinctive versus non-instinctive thing. I just think he has that sort of, he has that trait in him to, to make that mistake here and there. And I do disagree with Martial. I think he's way better than Martial. Way better than Martial on that left. Boy, I think, women, lie, women lie in numbers don't. In that I, I hear what you're saying. Martial, Martial, Martial's, got, Martial's got tech, but I feel like Martial on that left-hand side is not the same as Martial when he's playing in the number nine role. I think, I think, I think Martial on the left-hand side is nowhere near as effective as Sonny. I think you only see over the course of over the course of a season, though. Both both of them end up playing a variety of different roles. So, I feel like it gives you a good good sample of evidence to suggest that realistically, like when when we were linked with Martial, what it was like 40, 40 to 70 mil somewhere in between them. It's a large gap, but my memory is pretty bad at the minute. Um, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like that would have been a bad signing, to be perfectly honest. Like, no, no chance. It would have been a good signing. I like Martial, but I just think I just think Sonny is of a high level. But generally, I do agree with you a lot as well. I think first half, 
I remember seeing it on Twitter. I think first off, a lot of people were, a lot of people were sort of making a mountain out of a molehill in terms of the performances. Um, first half, a lot of people were bigging up Everton's performance and they didn't really do much. Like they, they kept the ball, they moved the ball well, but they couldn't break us down. Their only chance in that first half came as a result of Ben Davies, a Ben Davies special, literally gifting, gifting the chance to... To, to uh, a serious through ball though. Yeah, 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 yeah. crazy through ball. Best Hammers impression. <laughs> yeah, which he, which he, um, which he inevitably fumbled. But I only thought for me it was the second half where like they completely took over. And even then, I don't even think they completely over overawed us. I think it was more a case of us playing so bad, yeah. like literally so bad. Players running out of energy, players making the wrong decision, not being mm. able to create a chance, not be not moving the ball quick enough. We were playing so poorly that like the bare minimum for them looked like the best thing since sliced bread. Gary Neville was waxing lyrical about them. Jamie Redknapp waxing lyrical yeah. about them. They played well, but they were, there was no sort of like eight out of 10 performances or higher on that pitch at all. Someone needs to get Jamie one. Redknapp off my TV, man. Oh, oh my ball, God. Man. Not a single one. Like, but... imagine, imagine being paid to watch Premier League football all year and you, you've not realised that we've played our right back like that for... A whole fucking team. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or sitting there and being like, oh, that man's a wing back. He's not a full back. It's like, bruv, this same fucking position. Like, what, what's what's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> so, speaking, of the right back, speaking of the right back, guys, like, what do you like? Last word on the game, I guess. What do you think of um, the debuts, Doherty and Hoiberg, or the performances saying? <laughs> yeah, oh, Premier looks like a Southampton player. <laughs> <laughs> Hoibier. Hoibier, yeah, Hoibier. He's in Southampton. <laughs> he looked terrible. It was, it was a, it was a strange. He terrible. Like, like Toad mentioned it in in the main pod. Like, you have that. You you know, it's important. Like, you have a player who is capable of breaking up play. You know, leaving his foot in a little bit. You know, being a bit of the aggressor, and you kind of need that in a team, but. You also need to be smart as well in, in like your positioning. And like one thing that I'm actually starting to realize about him is that like he, I, I don't know. I personally think that he is not a defensive midfielder. He is a pressing central midfielder, and I feel like it's different <laughs> now because when I look at Spurs and the kind of position we need, I, I think we can adapt to have someone that like that in our team because it is better than everything we've, we've, we've actually had before in the sense that he's probably best placed to play that position as opposed to playing a Winks there or playing a Sissoko. Like, firstly, like, I didn't think he played... I didn't think he played badly. I just thought maybe he just, for me, he looked, like, dead off his feet after, like, 65, 70 minutes. And I think he's a good player technically. I think, like, on the ball, he probably is a good player. And probably he's going to show that he's a better player than he was. But it was a number of different things. He was outnumbered in the midfield, so he was working probably harder than he would have had to normally. You know, I guess it was the first game. Um, new Premier League, not proper pre-season for everyone. Uh, I mean, I personally think that, like, he will improve in that position. But I also, like, in my mind, like, just the way I read football, I just don't think he is actually a defensive midfielder. I think he's just a pressing central midfielder and maybe in the long term like I know this is like different but I like spent my like Saturday afternoon like running through Reddit to try and 
try find a stream for Oliver Skip for Norwich. And I actually believe Oliver Skip is a defensive midfielder. Like I watched that game against Huddersfield and yeah, it was a championship, but like he clearly understands like his positioning, the places that he takes up, like how deep he needs to get, when he needs to go into a tackle. Like it was actually really interesting because I'd never really watched a proper full game with him apart from when he was in his youth. And it was a really mature performance. So I think looking into the future, that's someone I would be actually happy to, to place in that position. About Doherty, I think Doherty played well. Like Again, as you guys like know, I said initially, I think it would be interesting if we were to get him because I believe that he is so suited to playing in a team where he doesn't have that much of a defensive responsibility. Like, my guy was taking up positions higher than Aurier. Like, <laughs> like, so I was just like, wow. He, like, and obviously the work rate to get back because Tottenham were getting Pam double teamed on that, on that side as well. Yeah, Richardson so, was kind of taking advantage of, of his like, position. Again, I don't, think he played, yeah. I don't think he played badly. Like, I do think personally he's an upgrade to Aurier. Um, but obviously time will tell. And suppose you just got to get time with the team and synergy and try to get used to playing in that position. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the DC area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doing our part. And also doing what Mourinho wants as well, you know, like. I think he was, I think Doherty didn't play well. I, I think he didn't play well, but I think he was better than, I think he was better than Hoybier. I think as far as debuts go, Hoybier was shocking for me. I think he was so bad. Um, <clears throat> ponderous on the ball, chasing shadows. I, I saw on Stat Zone at the end that he had like, he had something like a like nine recovery ball recoveries, which is which is decent. Like that's what that's you know what you you know you're gonna get that from from um, Hoybier. But I just thought in terms of the overall responsibility of him in for, for our team. I thought it was lacking, but again, I'm not going to put it down to him because everyone else played badly in this in that second half as well. Literally, everyone else crumbled. So it's not a victimized Hobie sort of thing, but it's just more to sort of let Spurs fans know that, like, yo, I know he had a bad day in the office, but he's got the capability to have a bad day in the office because he is not this player that you lot think he is. He is someone who's had one good season in four years for Southampton. I repeat. One good season in four years for Ooh. Southampton. He's 25 years old. He can improve. But right now, I, I, right now, if you were to ask me, is he of a top, top standard in terms of a ball-winning midfielder? I would say no. And I also don't think he's that good on the ball as well. I think at best, he's competent. So I think Spurs fans, he's going to get better. But don't be surprised if you see a couple dodgy games from Hobia here and there. That's just my take on it. I think that stood out for me for Huibia as well is obviously we're recording off the back of that fantastic game in Bulgaria um, today. <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing with Huibia, I think he's I think he's okay. I think he will definitely improve, but I can't believe how much he just flies into challenges. And when he does and he wins it, it looks great, and we and we can go again. We can press forward. If he loses it now our entire defence is just exposed and he may as well not even be playing. And it looks like we're playing with just a so-called Winks pivot that we did last season. There's no 
defensive protection there. So I'm hoping Mourinho can get that into him and, and create a bit more responsibility with his, with his challenges. But yeah, I've not been impressed so far. And I was standing him before. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> I was doing research and... Yeah, well, like it's funny you say that as well because like there was a, there was a point on in that game on Sunday when I was watching where I think Allen got it on like the left hand side and Hoiberg came cr- basically crashing through him and like Allen just sort of shimmied and when Allen shimmied Hoiberg basically he knew that he'd been beaten and he just basically just kind of in a, in a way in a sense walked off and I remember thinking there was three men that was basically attacking the Tottenham back four at that point. And and in my mind, I was just thinking like, you know, when you're younger and you're playing football, they're always saying to you, sometimes you don't need to crash into a challenge or you don't need to give give up your position because if you give up your position, it opens up a position for the opposition, which have the space. And I was thinking to myself, this guy, we're already losing 1-0, like 70th minute. And he's flying through tackles in the middle, opening up the space and then allowing like Hammers, Richarlison and Allen to like run through. So I'm just thinking like, Maybe it was first game jitters, you know, like, I don't think he's a bad player. I actually think he's a good player. And I think, as you're right, he will get better. But, like, there were just some things that were just a bit worrying for me, especially in that position, because he is kind of an important cog in that position for us, I think, now. And if it doesn't improve, I mean, like, you know, we... We want to have a base in midfield, and he's he's probably going to be a big part of that, you know. So the last thing we want is... To kind of lose confidence, I suppose this first game jitters. You don't really it's want to say early. anything too heavy. It's the first yeah, game, man. Yeah, but it's, it's like, it's sometimes early, you just see some signs, you know. Like especially if you know, like well, not know football, but if you do play football and you watch a lot of football, like there's some things that you can just see straight away that some mm. like some players have and some players don't. That's all. He'll be steady. I believe in him. He'll be he'll be a steady player. But I'll take steady with with scope for improvement as opposed to nothing at all, like we had. Yeah, like we had we had last week as well, and uh, I'm not sure if any of you lot watched it as well. But um, Denmark before the game they played against England, um, I can't remember who it was they were playing. I think they lost it as well. But he was playing, he was actually playing like the lone sort of like single pivot role as well. He was playing that role for for Denmark, and I think it was Ericsson and um, that central midfielder for Dortmund. I can't remember his name, Delaney. So they were playing, they were playing ahead of him, and he was playing as that the sole the sole pivot. Um, at Southampton, he was alongside James Ward-Prowse or Romeo or whoever. So he always played in the two. So it'll be interesting to see how his, posi- his, well, his position and his sort of player evolution develops because he is young. There is massive scope for improvement. And it seems as if Jose Mourinho plays a 4-2-3-1 instead of a 4-3 or 4-3-3 or whatnot. But just because of the players coming into our team and like players like Ndombele, the cell, so getting the best players into our team, he may be forced to play a lone role. So we don't know what's going to happen. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that one. But generally, I don't think his debut was good. But I, I expect that he'll be much much better because he is much much better than that. Uh, well, before we go into that comedy show today, let's um, give the players a quick break and um, let's let's talk about some other stuff that happened this week like some of the good news man because it wasn't all downhill it was a bit of a roller coaster like um not too long after the game um i guess probably don Levy must have seen some emails and he started <laughs> he's in his office just chilling <laughs> <probably>. <laughs> 
it's back in back in a back in a bev and he just opened his emails and he saw some emails man and he and he realized like something needs to change i don't know maybe he was watching some match highlights like like um tops but he realized something needs to change in it and he picked up that phone and he started making them calls man and it looks like we're getting Bell and Regilon. Am I saying that right? Nah, it's Regilon. <laughs> I might have to go with Reggie. Reggie. Yeah. <laughs> Reggie, Reggie. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's looking positive. From where I'm standing, it's looking positive. Like, I, I don't think this is going to be the end of the movements, but I like the way how it's following a similar pattern in that we didn't know maybe a lot about these moves. We heard about them and then within a couple of days it looks like it's been locked down and like that's a pattern i want to see continue um tyler what do you think of these transfers man take us away you know what the first i heard about it i think i was um just scrolling through twitter trying to drown my sorrows and i saw alistair gold tweet and he said something along the lines of normally i just roll my eyes at the rumors of bell because every single transfer window we're linked with gareth bell coming back and he was like, for the first time, I think this might actually happen. And ever since then, it's just been a madness. <laughs> Every minute <laughs> on Twitter, it's just been going crazy. And I mean, I've got a lot of opinions on um, Sergio, I'll call him, because I'm shit at pronunciations as well. Um, and I think that's going to be an incredible signing. But Gareth Bale, man, I don't care if you say he's past it, if it's too much money, if he's... That's not the player he was before. I don't care. Yeah, when you bring a player of this quality into a team that's clearly lacking that that oomph, he'll just bring that star quality. I think that aura. He'll just pick up all the players just from coming into training. Hopefully next week. I think it's incredible business by one of the best chairmen in the in the football league. Shameless. Leave it in, man. Leave it in. Leave it in. Let's go, boys. Come on, go down, Absolutely shameless. You caught. It's back, man. Is there anybody here who who doesn't think it's a good thing that we're signing Bill? I don't think he's here, but obviously he, a certain man whose name <laughs> shall not be mentioned. <laughs> His name rhymes with Bowen. Let me just say that. <laughs> Certain man was saying that he don't want to see Gareth Bell at right wing. The only place he wants to see Gareth Bell is number nine. But boy, I don't know if he's changed this to now, but I imagine that he's going to be hashtagging Bell back in no time. <laughs> <from the> morning. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. Um, I'm not going to lie. I thought a couple months back, I actually started to think to myself, oh, maybe... Maybe he is finished, but not because of his ability, purely because of um, his injury record and like just his attitude with Madrid, like all them golf, whatever it is, Madrid and whatnot. But seeing that interview that he did, I can't remember who it was with, I think it was BBC or Sky Sports, whichever one, seeing the interview he did, seeing him talk about like how he really, really wants to sort of prove a point, get back into playing football. And more, most importantly, seeing, hearing him talk about how he's tried to leave Madrid on multiple occasions and it's been blocked, made me think, okay, cool. This guy's not all about the, the cash. He actually wants to play football. So I, I, I thought, okay, cool. Good luck to him. And then when Alex the, Alex the Gold comes in and says, oh, there's a chance we can actually get Gareth Bell, I'm like, oh, Lord. Because even if it's not the same Gareth Bell from seven years ago, even if you get a 60 or 70% version of that Gareth Bell, it will be 
twice what we have on the right-hand side right now, basically. He shits on Lucas Moura. He shits on the Mela. And I like Bergwijn. I think Bergwijn's going to be a serious player for us. But if, you had, if, if I had to pick between Bergwijn or Gareth Bale right now as a starter, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. So I'm, I'm, I'm chuffed for that as well. And Ben Davies as well. Goodbye. Goodbye, <laughs> Ben Davies. Skate. Sayonara. Skate. I'm so happy. Skate. Kick rocks. Kicks rocks. The only time I want to see this guy is if he's playing. Push. I'm even dirty. Skate, man. Thank no. God. You finally got a proper fullback who doesn't get oh, no, no in the final third. Thank the Lord. And I'm happy. 27 million. I heard the buyback clause, 45 million euros, rare tear tear. It's not the end of the world. If they come back in for him, they come back in for him and we sell him. We still have Cesc there, who's we're hoping can develop into a decent enough player or good player, shall I say. And Real Madrid have Ferlon Mendy as well. They're not just going to sign him back for 40-odd million and then sell him off just for the sake of 10 million. It rarely works like that. I think they've only exercised their buyback clause in recent years for like Negredo, Vint Negredo, Carvajal and, and Morata. I, yeah. I, think, I think we'll be fine with that one. But even if they sold him back two, three years of good quality, I'll take that. I'll take it. We just have a quick word on these Man United fans that were crying as well. They were saying, <laughs> oh, we're, we're not a Tim Pot club. We don't do buyback clauses. We have to be a We have to be a Dead guys, bro. You want to hear it from this shit club. <laughs> You're always on smoke. I love it. I see Kobe hitting them as well to us too. the Pogba. Oh, no, I, do find, I do find it in, interesting that people believed all the stories of him basically just throwing a tantrum and this, that, and the third. I think one of the most interesting things for me is the way that people project on football players and athletes in general. It's like, my man has been disrespected by Madrid for like two and a half years. Like booed from their fans, whistled, all of that stuff. My man scored Champions League final goals and all sorts. He's won them trophies, do you get what I mean? So the level of disrespect that this guy's faced for him to be sat on the bench with no intention to be played, more power to him to sit there and, and entertain himself. I think a lot of people put a lot more pressure on athletes than they do themselves, isn't it? Like, I know for a fact, if I step into work and the only job they give me is to clean up desks or whatever, I'm going to sit there, I'm going to be like, nah, bro, this is below my pay grade. Like, what, what, what are you saying? So for, for a professional athlete who's performed at the highest level for him to make make jokes about his situation after they rejected his move after they've basically just frozen him out after they've basically just left him on the bench to rot more power to him bruv like i never doubted the fact that he wanted to play football because i don't think you react like that if you're just content sitting there getting a check so getting a hungry Gareth Bell that has a point to prove and is in his twilight hour, that little bit of nostalgia, that little bit of sentimental value, I think he could be massive for the club. Um, he's not the same player. He's not got as much pace, but I still think he can be devastating. Like, at the very least, we're going to get a, a newer version of, Van, of what we had in Van der Vaart. That's, that's the way I see it. With regards to Regulon, it, it is what it is, isn't it? Like I've 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 been a firm believer that having two fullbacks that can rotate and actually sort of do a job there 
is better than just having one recognized fullback. So if you improve on what you currently have and keep the guy who's proved to be a steady Eddie, despite all these haters on Twitter, I think it's a win-win situation for us. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gassed, man. Like to be honest with you, I like when everything happened with that China move falling through. Like in my head, like personally, I just thought, oh, this man, this guy might be dusted, man. Like why is he, why is he willing to basically not want to play just because the paycheck may be there? And I didn't really think like a player of his level, like China. I just didn't, I didn't see it. And then, like, when I was, like, listening to some of the stuff that's coming out, out of Madrid about, like, Zidane not really wanting to play him and him talking about golf over football, I just thought, I just kept thinking to myself, this guy needs to just get out of there, man. Like, whatever he can, just get out of there. And, like, just being, like, a nostalgic Spurs fan, like, in my mind, I always thought that, like, he would have come back the first season that we actually went into the new stadium because... The way I was looking at it, I was just like, you have a new stadium, Tottenham are somewhat on the up. You need these massive marquee signing to push the stadium, to elevate the fans, elevate the team. And obviously it didn't happen. I kept thinking, oh, man, that's like a chance missed. And it did keep looking like it wasn't going to happen. So similar to, to Tyler, when I saw that, Alistair Gold to it. I was thinking, Don Levy's at it again, man. Don Levy's at it again. Stop calling And it just kept rolling and rolling. And you know, man, like, that 2014 season, man, like, I went to, like, three, four games. I went to, like, West Brom away. I went to, like, Swansea away. I went to West, uh, West Ham away like and this guy I mean just moments of magic and obviously like like Ty said like he won't be the same player but if we're thinking about it in a footballing level and like a club level like having a player of this level is massively going to elevate the team massively going to elevate the club you know players are now going to know that they can't fuck around because if they do Gareth Bell's on their necks and even other oppositions, they're going to be thinking, raw, this guy probably ain't dusted, you know. We need to be on our game today because if we give him even a little bit of space, a little bit of this, he's probably going to bury us. And the way I see it as well is that, like, this is the best type of bell to come because these times you'd be looking at other players and thinking they're coming to the Prem, Circa, Andrew Di Maria, where they just want to earn a decent paycheck or Falcao earn a decent paycheck and, you know, but he's actually hungry. And you clearly know that this is someone who wants to prove himself that actually he ain't dusted. He's far from dusted. And actually, he isn't going to be able to push us probably to the next level. Like, I'm gassed, man. Like, I don't even... Like, I was looking at some of the financials today. Don't leave me, man. Throw the bag at him. I don't even care, man. <laughs> Throw the lot at him, man. Take, give him whatever he wants, man. Like, because this is the sort of, this is the sort of signing we should be making. This is a sort of signing that pushes us to the next level, man. And I really, really hope it works out for us, man. I really do, man. Well, I hope it works out and does something better than what happened today because today's game was... 
like wow i mean it looks like there's some good stuff on the horizon but what happened today like um i don't even really know how to react to it like it it, it felt really bad like i mean the lineup i liked i liked the lineup i thought it was a, it was a different lineup i liked it i liked to see sessignon in the lineup um it stopped did he sessignon didn't he start didn't no start. no sorry I'm going mad. No, Berwine. I meant to, I'm, I'm talking about Berwine, sorry. I like to see Berwine in the um, lineup. I think Berwine's going to be a star one day as well. Like, honestly, when he hit the crossbar, I felt like he was unlucky. Like, I felt like um, the whole team is unlucky at the moment and it's just, it's just not looking great. So I, I hope as well that Bale can be that talisman, that guy that raises the changing room and makes something happen. Um, how do you guys think Ndombele did today? Came on and changed the game. Yeah. Changed the game. Like he, he still doesn't look totally up to the pace of where we need him to be, but he's just got a lot more quality in progressing the ball. Uh, as me and Tobes were talking about um, earlier today, you guys weren't privy to it, but we're basically talking about um, how how we've transitioned over the last few years and where our lapses in creativity or where concessions for create creativity have come in the way that we've been playing over the last few seasons, especially. And for me, Endombele is a key in that. Um, there are some some worries that we still struggle to break down teams that settle down in a low block. And I feel like. Not only is Ndombele being on the pitch a remedy to that, but what he does for the rest of the players and the system that gets... 2020 has presented its share of challenges, and some of us are taking a hard look at our future. Can you imagine owning your own business? As an Amerispec franchise owner, you can have more security and control over your future and be there for your community with an essential service year-round. You could join the most recognized brand and home inspection services, Amerispec, and provide peace of mind to home buyers. With low startup costs and excellent operational support, you can be a business for yourself, but not by yourself. Learn more at join.amerispec.com slash podcast. Played um, is he allows us to play a bit wider. He allows us to play a flat free in midfield, and he's able to play more direct passes either in behind or into feet that can basically get attacks started earlier. Um, and we saw that today. Definitely. I think, um, yeah, the, the only real criticism of him is that he, he, it was, I guess, two red cards before, <laughs> before he started controlling the game. And like the opposition wasn't amazing either. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a similar performance to Everton in that it, it, it felt a bit flat. Like it didn't feel like we were controlling the game too much. Um, felt that we were applying pressure though. Before, before yeah, yeah. the red card, um, yeah. I felt, I agree with Sai as well. I think from start to finish, he did, he wasn't like a, it wasn't like a polished sort of vintage in Dombele, but it, he still came and he, 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 I think he won us the game. I know. Yeah. Uh, so my friends will say, tell me I'm being shameless. We were playing against nine and stuff like that. There were playing eight. A plumber, a butcher, yeah, plumber. Yeah, exactly. Say <laughs> <laughs> all, say all. But like, uh, in the end of the day, you still have to assess how football players performed. And mm. he came on and he had an impact that no one else had in no. the team. And like Sai said, 
he came on and he was able to start playing those passes that no one else wants to play, like instantly fizzing it into people's feet, like direct. That's what you want. That's that's what you get from him. And I think we're only gonna be we're only gonna be better for it the more he gets up to speed and the more he actually starts playing Premier League matches for us. You're gonna see a better football inside, one hundred percent. I was happy to see him like running into the line for his goal as well. <laughs> after the, after your boy Lucas played it in. And Lamella tried his best to mess it up. Yeah, Lamella was offside and tried to touch yeah. it. <laughs> see, um, you see, you see, Lucas, aka, I'm, I'm just gonna start calling him Bonehead from now on because <laughs> 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 you see his miss. <laughs> he assisted. Don't get me wrong, Lucas Moura. I, I love his sort of like his attitude, his positivity on the pitch and stuff. But he just lacks a brain, man. Like he got the assist today, but like, how are you missing that chance on your stronger foot? Like how, how? Only him. I swear he's got he's got like one goal in like his last like twenty two appearances or something like that. That is why he's only got one goal. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The ball was there on a the plate. Just, <laughs> just eat, bro. Eat. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Think to like subsidize the bell wages. We should just get Lucas to just work on the the skywalk. Just have him at the top, just shouting, "Come on, you Spurs!" Like be like a little tour guide, talking to people, being happy. But on the pitch, I don't want to see him. When we have Bergwijn, when we then have Bell, I do not want to see Lucas Mora anywhere apart from signing against Leighton Orient. That's it. <laughs> So guys, I'd rather uh, Lucas more than Lamella though. Just I know I'm the I'm, I know I'm in minority. <laughs> I'm, I'm rather I'd rather Lucas more than Lamella. What will be funny though is when Bell comes in and he sees a number eleven and just sits in Lamella's chair. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that back, man. We talking about honestly. That? I want him. I want him to take it back, but I know he's not gonna. He's gonna get number nine. Watch. Yeah, he will do. I reckon. Yeah. Isn't that safe for Danny Ingzer? <laughs> Yo, ambition! Believe me, that's big dick energy, man. Swing this shit about, man. Is Ings the kind of player that you want to see coming? Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Why not, bro? That's like that's, that's a twenty-plus goal scorer. Mm. Like, why not? Like, and people need to be like real. Like, all right, he's starting for Southampton. Or you can go and play with Harry Kane, Son, Bergerwin, Bell, Mourinho at Tottenham in Europe, in like an amazing stadium on better wages. Why wouldn't you? Like, but for me personally, I just think like it's kind of a funny one. I think two things. One, he's got to think for himself because the Euros next year, you know, he's he's gonna he wants to be bagging, he wants to be playing and and playing regularly. And two, like I was reading as well, looking on transfer market. He's coming up to two years left on his contract. So I think that could be kind of a ploy to maybe try and bump up the deal to be done quicker or him to get more money. I'm not sure. Although it was released by like a, a Spurs source. So I'm not really sure. But I mean, like it would be it would be funny if it actually happened because that would add some crazy amount of secondary firepower to our attacking like um options. But I mean, if it if it if 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 it doesn't happen, like, I won't cry about it. But I mean, I'd take him every time, every time. Mm. I, I, you know what? I also feel as well that like he's the guy that Liverpool should have. And people talk about Firmino being the full time blah blah, but he had that horrible injury which put him out and basically forced him out at Liverpool. 
and he really didn't get the opportunity because he's always been a clinical clinical goal scorer. Back from them Burnley days, he's always been he's he's, he's always been a, a really good finisher. Knows his way around the box. Always like he's very deadly. Like you know, give him a chance, he's likely going to hit the target or score. So like, unfortunately, he just had that 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 situation. You know, at Liverpool and ended up at Southampton. My my man bagged twenty plus goals last year. I mean, our track record of getting them type of signings in when we have a strike force and then we go out and get the mid table's very best. Bruv, Darren Bent, I'm screwing up. <laughs> Every last one of you. Don't even like for me it's not realistic. Um as much as people people sh- will scream ambition because we're linked with that type of player, it's like, does it really make sense for him to go from a starting position to play second fiddle? Not really. He's tried the big club thing, didn't work. So he might just feel like that's his level. And if he's already getting England call-ups, all he has to do is replicate last season and he's at the Euros. So as much as it would be nice for us to go and splash the cash on an English guy who proven goal scorer in the Premier League, is it realistic? I don't think so. I think Bell was more realistic six to eight months ago. When we're talking about what's realistic, what do you guys think um, would happen if we don't get a striker? Do you think Bell will slot in and be the backup striker, potentially? I don't want to think about it because I think we 1,000% have to get a striker. Um, but I think if a striker doesn't come in, we're, we're just going to see what we're used to. Sonny deputising there, or even, like you said, Gareth Bell will probably come in there. Um uh, but I, I don't see how I'm. I just I'm interested to see how it works because with the number of fixtures we're going to play, um, you want someone to take the pressure off Harry Kane, and you want to rest Harry Kane. But same time, most Premier League matches you want to be starting Kane, Bay, well Kane, Bale, and Son. So really and truly, they're the ones you want to step into Kane's role. So you're then saying they're going to play on a Monday or, or Sunday or whatever, and then you're going to not play Harry Kane but play one of them as a striker on Thursday, then play them again on Sunday. I don't know, man. I just think we've been faffing around with a striker thing for long, for, for far too long. Just get a decent striker in. Like, it really isn't rocket science. They've been able to do the impossible with Gareth Bell. If you can do Gareth Bell, for heaven's sake, then come on, surely a striker. A striker should be lightweight to Levy now because obviously he's spending the dosh, he's spending the De Niro. The only striker that we've been linked with that, for me, is like that right balance of somebody who not only can deputise when Kane is injured, but actually be a full-on rotational piece with Belotti. Um, and I don't know what's happened to the links. They've slowed down over the last day or two. Uh, they don't want to sell him. And you know, like last time round, I remember, weren't they asked, when, when he was at his peak, that season after he's banged in like 20-something Serie A goals, they were asking for like 100 million euros for yeah. For a lot of you, so yeah, I, I get what you lot are saying. Like a lot of these, even though we're making the offers, it's unlikely that they're going to happen. But what I love about this is the intent. Like yeah. the profile strikers that were being linked with, and more importantly, profile strikers that team but reporters are confirming that we've approached, like your Danny and Zach Belotti. It shows me that okay, hmm, maybe these guys don't want to just get your typical lamppost for the season your battering ram or whatever like they're actually thinking long term thinking strategically so hopefully they can show that intent and end up with 
just any reasonably decent striker to to go into the season with. See, for all the criticism that gets lobbied at Levy that I I back him about, I think this is a ploy, bro. Like <laughs> we're linked with everybody, their mum and their sister, and we've still not seen anybody come in. Mm. It's it's one of those ones where when you're linked with a Dini or a Wilson oh, or a Watkins. And then you see Belotti and Milic and all of these other guys. It's like, bruv, where is the middle ground? It's like two extremes. You either get these dead sort of journeyman type guys, or you're looking at guys that are probably too good to ever want to come to be second fiddle. So I feel like we're going to finish the window and people are going to be content with the fact that we've just got a body in, which isn't entirely negative. But I feel like a lot of the good energy surrounding the striker situation over the next year is just going to dissipate and everyone's going to be disappointed all over again and calling for another new striker. Uh-huh. What about what about centre back? One hundred. We need a centre back, but I don't. I, the club, they're looking to sign a centre back, but I don't know who they're going to sign. Is it that Korean dude? I personally think we need another centre back. Like we need another centre back. Alderweireld and Sanchez. That's our best partnership, but we need someone to come in who, if they're not better than those two, they at least have, like, they're not far off and they have, more importantly, they have the scope to be better than those two, like, because we need another sort of reliable centre-back in there. I'm still not going to put my faith in Eric Dyer. I don't think he's good enough to be starting for Spurs in any capacity anymore. And Tanganga, I like him, but again... I just feel like we need a little bit more there in that in that position. I think I, I still think I don't think we're light in terms of numbers, but I think we're light in terms of quality, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I I fully agree with you. I think we've conceded in every match since like Ipswich or something. Um, I'm sure we did. Yeah, apart maybe no, we didn't concede against Birmingham, but every other match we conceded, and it's it's just not. A great sign, I think. Um, I, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to have to rely on Tottenham to outscore every single opponent that they face. So you definitely hope that something is being done, whether it's a defender being brought in, whether it's a change of shape or a change of a few roles to make something happen. Um, you definitely hope that something happens there. I mean, I think we have our answer though, because there's one person that really understands how bad our defence is, and he believes that he can fix it, and that's that's Danny Rose, man. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's the key to this to this question but oh, probably he can fuck off to Genoa real soon I like Eric Dyer man like, I, I, <laughs> you're going to disagree with me and kick me off but I think our strongest partnership right now is Dyer and Sanchez and I, don't know, I, don't know. I don't know about that and change in the opposition but <clears throat> I, I think a centre back can wait till next year. If we can get a striker in in the next few weeks, that's a ten out of ten window for me. Like the one thing I like about Dyer, like I'm fifty fifty on him as a player, but like I just think like his his head is where it needs to be as a Tottenham player, and I think that there's not enough players who are like that. Like I know it's very easy to read from like. It's not very easy to read because we don't know all the details from the documentary. But, like, this is clearly someone who, like, he is a fighter and he understands that in order to win, 
you have to fight and you have to battle. And actually, very similar to a fan, I want him to be upset if we lose. I want him to be upset if he's not in the team. I want him to be upset if there's a mistake made. Like, there's a very interesting, in the latter two episodes, there's one point where he has, like, a semi-argument with Deli Ali, and it kind of shows to me that he cares. And obviously, he has that situation with his brother and the stand. And that makes me realise as well that he really is someone who does care. And as a Tottenham player, you kind of need that. So, in my mind, I'm still, as I said, I'm still 50-50 on him as his playing ability, because I sometimes think he's suspect to a mistake and I don't think he's a bad player. But I think he's the kind of person mentally that we need at Spurs because we don't have, in my opinion, we don't have many people like this. I, I just don't think there's enough people who have got like hard-nosed, strong mentalities at Spurs. And that's why we are in the place that we are. Uh, Toby, do you think Deli Ali is one of those players, like a strong mentality player? And also, how do you feel about him leaving potentially? Uh, his mentality right now is all over the shop for me. I used to think he had a strong mentality, but I just think I just think nowadays I don't think it's a mentality thing. I think his mentality is okay, but I feel like his focus is all over the shop. Yeah. Um, I don't, and we see that on the pitch as well. I I, I don't know what it is with him. Um, it's just he's just missing that that consistency like before he used to be <clears throat> he used to be way more reliable than he is now <clears throat> and um we can put it down to oh he's a support striker or whatever blah 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 but there's no excuse for the way he plays now and Mourinho in the documentary said that he was a lazy trainer um I think they were even having conversations about his focus etc etc as well so I don't think his mentality is is bad necessarily because you saw the passion in in all or nothing like he hates losing as well he said it too yeah. he hates losing as well that's why he he expresses himself more so than Eric Dyer but I just think his application on the pitch is all wrong and as for him leaving I personally wouldn't get rid of him now I think me and Sal we went on a podcast a couple a couple months back and we were talking about Deli Ali and I think he still has a lot to prove and I think a lot of people don't take into consideration that like. <clears throat> what he was doing in the first three years at Spurs was, wasn't normal. Like, it, it wasn't normal. Like, mm -hmm. was, he was averaging probably, like, let's say 12, 13 goals a season and, like, 13, 14, 15 assists. Like, these are crazy stats for, like, an 18, 19-year-old playing in the number 10 position. And I think what you've seen over the last two years, not so much, it's not really levelling out per se, but it's more he's had his injuries and he's getting to a level that's probably a bit more realistic. But that yeah. being said, the performances that we see week in, week out over the course of 90 minutes, it's not good enough. So I think this season, for me, personally, is the last season I, I'm giving him to sort of make me want to defend him. This, is, this will be his sixth season for Spurs now, I think. Yeah, his sixth yeah. season for Spurs. So, boy... I've defended you long enough. I've spoken about your injury, spoken about being shut in our position, but now he's got a manager who backs him. He's going to get game time. Um, <clears throat> and he's 24 years old. So really and truly, now you've got to buck your ideas up. And now, more importantly, you have competition as well. So 
there's a willingness for you, if there's not a willingness for you to sort of work for your spot and put in those good performances, you're not going to play. So it was I think interesting. Um, the, the other day, because um, you started the game against Everton, um, I, I heard on the grapevine that he was a meant to start the game, but Berwin had a, a migraine leading up to the game. So they changed the, changed the lineup last minute. So for him to get hooked at half time and for that to be the optic and the big talking point from the game, I do think is semi detrimental to his position in the squad and, and any perceived mentality issues that he might have. I, I, I think it's slightly unfair because realistically, we've not played a system that fits him in two years. Like that, that stupid diamond shit that Poch was playing. Uh, whatever it is that we're doing at the minute, they're not really finding a way to get any of his good attributes sort of applied on the pitch. If there's no balls being played in behind the opposition, how's Deli Ali supposed to get onto him? If there's no fast transition and there's no sort of link-up play in in the transition that is there, how's Deli Ali supposed to showcase anything? It's like we've got to look at the whole system as a whole and see how many players are performing lower than their expect, expected uh, rate before we start singling out guys because of perceived attitude problems or per- perceived laziness and all of that stuff. Everyone is shit at the minute. Absolutely <laughs> everyone. That's fair. That's fair still. That's absolutely, fair. absolutely, man. Um, should we wrap up with like previews of, of the next games? Like we've got um two games next week. So we've got Southampton first. Um I'm guessing we'll be seeing Mr. Ings. And then we've got Leighton Orient after that. Uh what do you guys think? Like um let's say tops. What what do you think going into the Southampton game? Well, going to the Southampton game, like remember last season we went there. You know, Southampton's been a bit of a funny one for us in the last few years away. Um, I think anything that's just performance-wise is better than than what we what we saw last week. I mean, uh, having watched Southampton last weekend, I mean, Palace weren't amazing. Uh, so for them to lose that one, you know, I was quite surprised. Um, che Adams looked okay. Ward Prowse looked. Warpass didn't actually play very well. Um, Ings got in a few, you know, got a few good positions, good chances. So for them to lose that against a team that doesn't create very much, and obviously the goal scorer was Zaha, I was quite surprised. But again, you know, they're at home first of the season. We're obviously coming off the back of a loss, but winning today and getting through today is like a massive thing as well, confidence-wise. Without a win, um, like. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just hoping that you know anything that's better than last weekend will be a good performance. I mean, Southampton's it's a it's the team that it's a game against a team that we should normally be just wrapping those three points and just fucking off home. Um, so hopefully we get the three points this weekend. I mean, uh, they've got a few days to turn over, recover, like Kane said, and just get back on it, man, because, you know, you don't want to fuck around and all of a sudden you're at the end of September and mm. you ain't got no points on the board, you know? So it's all about just getting the, getting the heads on, improving on what we did and trying what you can, you know, to get the points, especially away from home, man, because last season, two or three away wins all year, I mean, we're better than that. I know we're better than that. 
You know, with, with the type of players that we have, we need to be performing way better away from home than we, than we have been in the, in the last sort of year or so. So let's let's start on start on Sunday, man. Start on Sunday and like Leighton Orient. I mean, I expect it's gonna be a it's gonna be a weakened team. Uh, I wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me if there were a lot of the younger guys that came in. And I don't know. We'll we'll just have to throw what we can at it, you know, because it's two days later, man. Like it's very difficult to to uh, wash up after the Premier League game on a Sunday and then suddenly have to recover on Monday and then you go again. But personally for me, man, getting the points on the board is massive on Sunday against our mm. <clears throat> yeah, I don't really like <clears throat> believe in omens or anything like that, but Southampton away last season wasn't that where our season basically just fell apart when Kane got the injury. So, so as, long, as long as it's better than that and Kane doesn't do his hamstring, then it should go all right. But um, <clears throat> I'm not confident at all after the last two games. Southampton were poor. I agree with what you said against um, Palace. But we're that. also really poor as well. Um, <clears throat> and it's going to be a midfield battle. And I don't know who's going to win. I hope Hoybier will come good and show that it's the right decision to leave them and join us. But we need to be a lot better than what we were today and um, Sunday. Just for the FYI as well, breaking news. Um, so the winner of us v Leighton Orient next week will play the winner of Chelsea versus Barnet. So, yeah. Yeah, that's another one to look forward to. Another one, another one. Um, just, just to throw it out there as well, Southampton lost yesterday 2-0 to um, Brentford. And yeah. I know Ings was playing. So, <clears throat> I mean, it, it would be a shame. I think it would be a shame to lose to them tomorrow. I mean, next week, sorry. Yes. Yeah. If they do a big Sean and bounce back, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> uh, we, we cannot afford another L. Like, it's, it's not been good enough. And obviously, everyone's quite buoyant because of transfers. But for me, what matters most is what happens on the pitch. And mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, until I start seeing <clears throat> real conscious, thought-out team sheets and tactics and start to see us like really approach the game with a plan that seems like it can actually work, I'm, I'm quite detached from this season until I start seeing that. Uh, so I do want to see you guys like Ndombele get on the pitch. For me, he has to start now because he's, changed, he's finally changed the game. As, as a 70-minute substitute or whatever it was today, he's finally had that moment where he's changed the game and made us win. So if that's not enough for him to get, get a nod in a starting position, I don't know what he's going to be able to do. Um, I felt that Celso looked good today as well. So yeah. getting him on the pitch and... Berwijn for me is going to be imperative. So, as long as we approach the game with with some real intent to win, then I feel like we can get past them. Um, but if we go half-assed, we're going to lose because uh, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. It's also important. I think we we have to score an early goal. We've seen against Everton, we played really well in, in the first 15, 20 minutes. I tweeted again today that the first fifteen minutes, Lascelles was pressing, Bergwijn was pressing. He was really mm-hmm. on Pepper, on down the talk, like completely. And then we kind of just fall off towards the end. If we can get an early goal against Southampton and then their first home game of the season with the fans, we'll just put the pressure on them. It's like, right, this could be three games, three losses for them. So 
yeah, I mean, if we start well, Mourinho presses that into them, then we could have a different game on our hands. Anyone want to stick their neck out and give a prediction? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I learned my lesson last week. I can't lie, but... <laughs> no, I was comp- yeah, comp- last week and it, it ended in tatters. <laughs> so, no. Uh, cool, cool, cool. Um, hold on, hold on. One more thing. Favourite Gareth Bale moment in a Spurs shirt? Positivity here, Scary performance. Scary. Yeah, Scary into our, into the end of my con. That, that one's that was an easy one, though, man. Like, that was light work for Gareth. It was that goal against Stoke for me, the blue, the blue shirt. Oh, yeah, the volley. Oh, crazy. Beautiful. Oh, oh the last yeah. Personally, it was West Ham away. I mean, like, he actually scored two goals that game. And the first goal, like, he kind of danced through the defenders and kind of sneaked it in. But the second goal, man... No. Let's just say limbs, man. Like <laughs> that was crazy, crazy, crazy. So that you know, you know, what's funny. That day I was pissed as well because it was one-one, and Tom Carroll was playing. What? I mean, when I say, <laughs> and I'm a thinking, what is you that do? don't shoot, just leave the ball, leave the ball, and he just popped it to him, and I thought, oh my god. And I tell you, but oh, that was crazy for me, man. Like that, that game was mad as well. Just. That's Tom West Ham played well that game as well. Right at the end. Was that Payet? West Ham played really well. Was playing? They did. No, no, no. They peppered us for most of the match as well. And I was thinking, okay, 1-1, cool, let's just leave. Let's just leave. But, boy. Because it didn't end. I thought it was free. Because it was free too. Because I remember, because you meant 2-2, right? I think you meant 2-2. Because I remember Gareth Bell scored the first goal. And then I think it was Joe Cole who scored the equaliser for them or something like that. And then they went 2-1 up and then Sigurdsson came on and yeah. scored it, made it 2-2. And then, that's, that's what you're on about. That's where Tom yeah, Carroll, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joe Cole was sick that game as well. I don't know what got into West Ham, but it's the same thing that always gets into West Ham. When they play Tottenham, they go up several notches and it cup really final. It's, always a, it's always a cup final for them. I, I, don't, I don't get it, man. I hate playing West Ham as well. Like, I hate playing West Ham. They hate us too. That's what it is, man. <laughs> they hate us more. That, that's... Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, let's not speak about them, man. <laughs> Fucking bubble. waiting. Ericsson, low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez. Lucas Moura. Yeah. And belted into the net, brilliant goal! On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. A great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go! I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.